Welcome to the No Name Podcast. I am Jay Uncle Juju St. Paul. I am Ish. And I am C Stats. We upload video versions on YouTube, which you can find on the I Am Hip Hop Magazine YouTube channel. Easiest way to search for us on YouTube is to type I Am Hip Hop, or one word, Space Magazine. And yes, I did say Space, their magazine. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and click that notification bell as we post weekly, and it really helps with the algorithms. We hope you enjoy the show. Peace, love, and all that good stuff. Peace. Peace. That's dope. All right then, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the No Name Podcast, powered by I Am Hip Hop and in collaboration with HighCreativity.net. And today, whilst you're locked in with myself, J Uncle Juju St. Paul in the building, I have the one and only BJG Bazooka Joe Gotti. Give it up. Yay! What's up, y'all? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so very much. Now... Just for anyone who doesn't really know who BJG is, the, the Bazooka Joe Gotti, do you mind just giving us a little breakdown of who you are, how long you've been in the game, and the essence that's you? Sure, yeah. You know, I'm a hip-hop cat. I grew up in hip-hop. Um, I'm from San Francisco, California, born and raised, never left. You know, um, I was influenced by early hip-hop music from New York. You know, that um, <clears throat> that boom bap era, that hardcore hip hop shit. I used to listen to a lot of stuff from L.A. I used to um, take a coat hanger and connect it to my radio in my room when I was a kid so I can get um, the frequency from K-Day, K-D-A-Y in L.A. And I could listen to what's going on in L.A. and Hollywood. And they played mostly L.A. hip hop, but they played a lot of New York stuff, too. So that was a big influence on me coming up the New York scene because I always looked at New York as the creator and the Mecca, you know, where it all began for hip hop music and culture. So, um, you know, I, I first put out a mixtape back in like 96. Oh. And um, it was when um, people were still cracking cassette tapes and stuff like that, you know, and um, I, I put something out in 96 and then um, I've been rocking ever since then. You know, I had a little hiatus in the probably 2000 and, um, 2005 because I had surgery and it put me out for a, for a year or two. But yeah, I've been representing hip hop for a long time. I've been studying the art form, um, practicing my skills. So for me, I'd say it's more about um, the skill set and being prepared to rock a mic wherever I'm at in the streets, studio, nightclub, whatever, compared to um, accolades as far as, you know, platinum plaques on the wall and all that stuff. You know, so I'm a, I'm a skill guy. I'm with I'm down with the skills. You know, when I was coming up, I was kind of a little bit of a jerk because I was I was hard on all the other MC because it was so competitive. I was kind of like, oh, that dude's weak. That dude's dope. That dude's weak, that dude's got skills, but I was like judging everybody, you know. I don't do it as much nowadays. But you know, hip hop's competitive. Mm. 
This is true. Um, so yeah, because like he's mentioned, you know, you put out your first mixtape in 1996, but before 96, as you said, you were talking about radios and coat hangers, which is something that some of our listeners ain't gonna never know the struggle of what that's about and using metal in order to pick up the actual radio frequencies. Right. What what was it like for you though, other than that just giving that kind of small window into life back then? But what was like like growing up in Cali? you know, for yourself. And then, you know, your first sort of, when you, your first hip hop song as well that said, yeah, this is me going forward. Right, right. Yeah, you know, growing up in Cali, it was always a lot of um, diversity. Like we have on one block of, of people, we have Chinese, Korean, Samoan, you know, African-American, black brothers, white, you know, Germans, whatever. You, you name the nationality, Indian, they're all on the same block. So back in the day, we all had to coexist and learn how to get along with each other. And we looked at like the similarities more than the differences, you know? And so San Francisco growing up here was a, a real good place to be for me as a kid, because it taught me a lot of acceptance of others, you know? And so I always thought that everybody in the world thought the way we thought here in Cali, or at least in the Bay Area, uh, but then when the Internet really popped off and you started seeing everybody's opinions from all over the world, you realize like, wow, I was just in a little bubble and not every not everybody thinks the way we think, you know, because um, when I was growing up, we was a little bit more open to each other. You know, maybe it's a little different now because of COVID-19 and, and, and all these different things that we have to um, uh, not argue about, but, you know, the police brutality and the. Um, the Black Lives Matter and the elections that just passed for our government here in America and um, so many different things that we can argue about now. It wasn't like that when I was coming up. So I'm glad I came up when I did because it instilled in me um, not to be so racial, to be more human and realize that we all human. So growing up in the Bay was really a good thing. And when it comes to music, it was so much diversity on the block of just people so we was diverse in what music we listened to. You know, we listened to jazz, funk, sometimes some of us, some of us classical, hip hop, all different types of hip hop, hip hop from New York, hip hop from LA, hip hop from Miami, mm -hmm. you know, our own sound, you know, the two shorts and the, uh, it was a MC Pooh and Digital Underground and people like that from the Bay Area, Tupac, you know, so. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of diversity culturally and musically, so it was a good, it was a good experience growing up where I'm at, San Francisco. Oh, that's dope, still. So, when did you ever get into like the turntablism side of the hip hop? Because I mean, you're coming from hip hop. Yeah, back yeah, then. yeah, a little, a little bit. I did, I did. I was DJing. You know, <laughs> hip hop first hit. You know, we was all break dancing and pop locking and strutting and all this stuff, you know, because popping and strutting was pretty big uh, on the West Coast. You know, people in New York was breaking, but people in L.A. was pop locking and strutting and, you know, doing a different type of dance. But we was breaking, too, because we were B-boys. You know, we had the we had the jeans with the graffiti down our legs like we'd have somebody that actually knew how to do graffiti good, do a piece on our on our jeans right down the legs, you know. And we'd have like the nameplate belt buckle with whatever name we chose hanging down uh, 
around our thigh area, you know, a leather belt, but it wouldn't be the belt buckle wouldn't be right under your stomach. The belt buckle would be hanging down by your by your thigh or your oh. lower leg or excuse me, upper leg, so people can mm. see the belt buckle and what it said. And usually we put our nicknames on there and stuff. And um, yeah, you know, when I was young, my um, my auntie, she sent me an album. She mm. lived in LA. She sent me an album and it was the soundtrack to Wild Style. And ever since I got that album, I had been hooked. Man, it just lured me in and hooked me to hip hop culture. And, and ever since I got that album, I was studying hip hop culture and going to, um, different events and and building with different cats that were into it like I was. So we was going down to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco Pier 39 and battling other cats and dancing, break dancing and strutting and popping. And then uh, eventually my crew got into turntablism and we would DJ parties, right? And we would end up getting paid to DJ parties. And we DJ parties at my high school. I remember back in the day they gave us like 350 bucks. Wow. And for, for some young kids, that's pretty good, you know. That's yeah. a lot. So, and we DJed a party at our high school, and it got us a little bit more credibility at the school, you know, because all them dudes <laughs> DJ and they got speakers and turntables and all the fly records. So, so yeah, we was DJing for a while. We had a crew called Frisco Fresh, Frisco yeah. Fresh crew back in the day, and um, one of the brothers went on to DJ for um a, a, a local rapper named Paris. And then um, <clears throat> another one uh, is in original DJs, and they still DJ to this day and to be on um, big radio stations and stuff. You know, not as the lead guys, but as the backup guys. That's they right there, and their names are being mentioned, and they in the mix. But it wasn't their shows, but they were on the radio as part of the crew. You know, so um, yeah, growing up, we did a lot of turntablism. I'm a record collector. You know, mm-hmm. I remember be, I remember being on Hate Street at this place called Groove Merchants, digging in the crates. And um, I look to the right of me and there's Q-Tip digging in the crates right next to me from a tribe called Quetta. I'm like, wow, wow yeah, I must I must be at the right record store. If this brother come from New York and shops with his records here, I know I'm at the right spot, you know. <clears throat> so that was Groove Merchants. I remember bumping into him there and um DJ Gray Boy, he used to be kind of popular on the West Coast back in the day. He uh, he was in there one time. I was record shopping. And um, yeah, we've always been into digging in the crates. If we wasn't, if we weren't DJing parties, which we did, but if we weren't DJing parties, we was digging in the crates looking for the dope breaks and samples that we could make into some beats too, you know? So so yeah, we was DJing. Uh, the first party I ever did as an MC. My boy Mad Mike, who went on to be Paris's DJ, he he DJed and I MC'd, and we was in Hunters Point Projects on a street called Beatrice, and that was the first time I ever did a party, you know, as an MC. So I was like the wordsmith, the MC, the host, and he was on the turntables, and we was about 16 years old up in the projects, just doing our thing. The, the dude who threw the party, he gave us a few dollars, it's like 50, 100 bucks, something like that, but that kind of started us off. Mm. And so so a lot of people that I grew up with are still DJing, but I went I went with the microphone and veered into rhyming and MCing and rapping, you know, more than any of the other elements of hip hop culture. Right. And what was it so cuz 
yeah, you've just given us a wicked slice of history. So for once again, for anyone who doesn't understand the concept of digging in the crates, what battling meant when it was actually for the fun and the love of building the culture as we know as hip hop today. So you've, I mean, you've definitely dabbled in a lot of what builds the hip hop culture. And also I've got to give a shout out to the fact that I didn't realize that, that this is like a slap on my wrist. I didn't realize that star came from you like with the belt buckle hanging. And I, now, now that makes a lot more sense as well. So yeah, thank you very much for your contribution to the culture. Um, so I was oh, going to say- We got that from New York. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, okay. And then, and then to answer your question further about DJing, I still got my scratch pad. Like when my auntie sent me Wild Style, we yeah. used to cut, we used to cut the record covers up. We didn't know about <laughs> we didn't know about eBay and all this other shit where it's gonna be worth something later on. Uh, so we we would destroy shit. But this was the the original cover Wild Style album, right? And then uh, you cut it out and you turn it into a scratch pads and you and you put it on your turntable. And you put your uh, your vinyl or your wax, your record on top of it, and then that helped the that helped the record slip and slide better to where it didn't get stuck against rubber or whatever material your turntable actually came with. So yeah, I turned my this this album got me into hip hop so deep. Yeah. Now, now it's still on my turntable, you know, twenty five years later. Yeah. So first of all, I know that's gonna upset a lot of people seeing it, but understand once again like you said there was no ebay there was no collector's items wasn't related to hip-hop at this particular time however you could arguably say that is a collector's item in its own right so either way it helped you it helped you get be one of the tools one of the little cogs in your whole clock in order to make you know your your whole thing spin so leading on to that as well you got such a love and a passion for hip hop and deeply rooted into it. What made you say, you know what, being the wordsmith is going to be my journey rather than being the the master, well, the, the turntable, shall I say, sorry. Well, I would say um, I always had an affinity or a love for poetry and rap, rhyming words. Even as a little kid, I like to <clears throat> write little poems and <laughs> make sure that the words rhymed and stuff. It was always a cool challenge to me to come up with something that rhymes, even as a little kid, you know. So when hip hop hit and I, I was introduced to hip hop, I was like, this is right up my alley because I don't really like I, I, I like to write poetry, but I don't really like <clears throat> at the time. I didn't really like rock and roll as much or, um, you know, whatever music was the popular music for America. Yeah. I really wasn't into it as much. So I never thought about being a, a artist. And then hip hop came and then I was like, you know, this is something that I can do. This is something I, I like. I just got to work on my rhythm and, and get my rhythm tight and work on my voice and projecting my voice when I speak and mm. I can do this. So, you know, it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of artists too that got me inspired to do so. Like, you know, say Nas and Rakim and Ice Cube, those were like three big ones for me. You know, of course, of course there's like a hundred more I could probably name, but, 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 you know, Rakim, you know, I thought of, uh, what do you say? Um, 
you thought I was a donut. You tried to glaze me. Check out my melody. You know, stuff like that had yeah. me like, wow, okay. And then Ice Cube, all his early shit that he did with the Bomb Squad in New York, and all the uh, shit he did with N.W.A. And then, mm. um, and then um, Nas, all the Nas shit. It just opened my mind to be like, man, this poetry shit. If you can write it down good and come up with some fly, clever lines and and spit it with some with some tenacity or some, you know, put something behind your voice, some energy, you know, you can do this. So, so I thank, I thank them three artists really for inspiring me and putting a fire under my ass. You know, when I was growing up, it was people like Cool G Rap, you know, Cool G Rap. That boy was busting. He was spitting. He was, he was saying stuff that some artists nowadays may catch a heart attack trying to say, you know. Yeah. So I like that. And then Big Pun came out and the, these brothers had such flow. It was just like, wow, um, mind blowing artists, you know, like superior poetry and, and put to a rhythm and a beat and a melody. Man, it just it just really captivated me. Yeah, I mean, even myself as well. I mean, I'm a 80s baby, a mid 80s baby. So I was kind of fortunate by the time I'm able to listen and appreciate the music. I've literally been thrown into all of that. You know, as like you said, you're Rakim. So I'm playing catch up effectively when, you know, your KRS ones, um, public um, public enemy, EPMD, then like you, like you said, you know, um, like you're saying as well, your, your parks, your biggies. So this is that's just, just as they were coming up. Right. Their short, you know, short little lift game, like space in the game. Then the Ice Cubes, your Dre's. Snoop Dogg. I mean, like you said, we can go on for time. And these are just the bigger hitters. We're not even talking about, you know, the the under the underground heads who really helped bubble the whole scene. Because these are the right. ones who were the big hitters. We forget right. that, that there's those foundations and those blocks. Right. So the Black Moons, the Freestyle Fellowships, the you know the you, the list goes on with the underground cats that were killing the game. You know, even from a uh, group home, and mm. you know, take it back to. Main Source wasn't super underground. They were pretty known, but Main Source was a large professor and someone digging in the crates, you know, uh, Big L and, you know, mm. AG, AG and um, Master Ace and all these guys. They was they was underground and mainstream, but not really mainstream, but they was underground and super known, you know. And yeah. you know, then then came, you know, the Jurassic Fives and the, you know, so, so many artists, the Jay Dillas and the you know, the list goes on, man. So many people have contributed to mm. um, rap music and, and most people don't get the the props or the respect that they deserve, you know, but it's okay though, because they know that they contributed another another brick to the to the wall, you know, another another step, you know, up the ladder for the people behind them. And that's fulfilling in itself, you know. Mm, that's true. That's very well that's as we're saying in another podcast, we're just going to give you your flowers now. So that's what we're right. here for. This is also what this platform's here for as well. So this is also in a way us giving our flowers to you as well, BJG, for your contribution. Because once again, you're part of the foundation of everything. So we're giving your flowers and singing your Thank praises you, while you're still here, man. Oh, 100%, 100%. We got you. Now let's get into your 1996 mixtape, The Traps of Babylon, on which was on Rugged Legend Records. How did... Tell us the story of that. How did that come to be? Oh man, um, shoot. 
that's a that's a tricky one because I never really thought about how that came to be. Man, let me think about it now. Well, I met this uh I met this brother named uh Leon, and he went by the name of Sonic Translator at the time, and then he changed it to Leon Leon Freeze. And me and him started working on music, and I kind of showed him like a lot of the old breaks and how people he didn't know that like some rock him songs were samples from old joints like ashley's roach clip and different old breaks and I, so i played him ashley's roach clip and he was like i can't remember right off top but that might have been paid in full or one of them old classics that rock him and eric b had and he's like oh that's that's blah 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 and i go yeah brothers are sampling you know and then and then he he didn't know that you know he thought he thought these brothers all had like musicians coming in or bands or something, you know. So I turned them on to the digging in the crates aspect. So me and Leon, we worked together for a while. And um, me and a brother named, uh, and so me and him did a song called Traps of Babylon, one of my first songs. And then um, and then I had a DJ, he was Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens DJ. His name was DJ Rob Ski. And DJ Rob Ski, he put the cuts on Traps of Babylon, like on that song, there's a hook, but there's also um, scratching that goes with the vocal hook and, and scratching later on in the song. And so we had some cuts on there from Rob Ski, Leon made the beat, and um, my boy Too Tough, I, I, I started hanging out with him around the same time, and he had more of a West Coast kind of vibe, you know, and so we did um, selling tapes out to Crack House. And that was like on the West Coast Bay Area, L.A. kind of vibe, a little more funky. The Traps of Babylon one was more of a jazz break that we got from an old jazz artist called uh, Hampton Hawes. A lot of people don't know about Hampton Hawes, but I, I was digging in the crates and I found that over at uh, the Groove Merchants record shop. You know, mm. I, was like, I was like, man, this album looks like it's going to be dope. I didn't even know. And I grabbed it and we got the break for Traps of Babylon off, off there and we scratched the O.C., um, time's up on there to traps. I'm not sticking to, to traps. I'm not sticking. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, so that was traps of Babylon. And then the flip side w was supposed to be um, selling tapes out the crack house with a little more of a West Coast sound. So I cannot uh, alienate or, or, or leave out my hometown mm -hmm. listeners that like that flavor, you know, and then it ended up being um we added a couple more songs and just made it like an EP, you know, so it ended up being like a four song EP. And um, it's a trip because a couple of them was West Coast and a couple of them was East Coast. If you want to break down the sound of each song, you know, so I always been like that. I always try to like have a little bit of diversity on any project that I do to where you might get a bunch of West Coast sounding beats, but you're going to get a few hip hop cuts, too, that have the boom bap sound because I don't want to leave anybody out. And it's actually like what I like. I like all of it, you know. So so with that project. Um, tapes was was popping at the time, you know, people mm. were doing tapes, cassette tapes were still being played in people's homes and stuff, you know. So um, so I was like, you know, let me do a let me do a cassette tape. It's not as expensive as pressing up some wax. So I did the cassette tape and then eventually I got some money together and I pressed up some wax for that project too. So that was a good experience. You know, I really do 
I, I really do appreciate that experience because I remember one time my mom's, I call mom's uh, mother's, well, we, we call them mama-roni. Like you mix, you mix tenderoni from Bobby <laughs> Brown with, with mama and it's mama-roni, you know. <laughs> okay. So one time mama-roni was on an airplane coming back from L.A. And she was sitting next to this Korean dude and they just started talking. And she said, oh, my son, he raps. He's a, he's an MC. He got a record out, this and that. And she told him about hooking up the town. And he mm. was like, wow, that's your son? I got that record. I got oh, wow. that. I, he's like, I bought that record and I have it. And I love that record. And moms came home and told me about that experience. And that was the first time I realized, like, wow, putting out that wax was really a good move because it got circulated around, I, I want to say the world, but, you know, yeah, because this brother was from Korea, so it got circulated around the world. You know, I'm not trying to say that it went everywhere um, mm. like, like a bullet and was flying off the shelves and nothing like that. But just that experience alone, I was like, wow, okay, these distributors that I'm messing with, they got my album out to Korea. You know, when this, um. brother, this brother heard of me, and then I started getting phone calls from people in Japan. So it was really hitting, hitting Asia. And, you know, people in Asia, people in Europe, um, they tune in to what American music people are doing. You know, they're checking, um. they're checking for it. You know, I don't know if it's so much like that now, but it definitely was for a lot of years, even in even in Germany, you know, and, and, and France and, and, and England and Italy and all the places in Europe. You know, it's like for a long time, um. when, when Boom Bap died out in America. They kind of kept it lit for us. And then Boom Bap made a resurgence here. You know, but that's because Europe kept Boom Bap alive. They was rocking that shit way after everybody out here went to a different genre of rap music. You know, they went to West Coast gangster shit or they went to, uh, you know, whatever the sound was from different regions, Miami, Detroit. But really, I'm, I'm saying like trap music. You know, everybody started getting into trap music and shit like that. But in Europe, they might have got into that too a little bit, but they never, they never let go of that original hip hop sound, which is a good thing, because it's made a resurgence in America now with artists like, um, you know, um, West Side Gun and yep. Benny the Butcher and uh, Conway the Machine and that whole little Griselda clique. And there's many cliques like that in America. Mm -hmm. But they're they're the ones that got signed to Eminem, so you hear about them a little more. But there's a lot of clicks that still represent underground hip hop. You know, like my last two albums have been solely dedicated to boom bap hip hop. You know, there ain't too many sing, ain't too much singing on the hooks, and ain't too much. Uh, you know, um, it's hardcore. It could be gangster shit, but it ain't like the L.A. sound. You know, it ain't like yeah. the funk. The funk the, the L.A. funk gangster shit, but it's it's dedicated more to like the essence of everything, the mother of this shit, which mm -hmm. was the hard drums, the boom bap sound where the drums were kind of like really like the most important. And then and then your sample and your loop was important also. But um yeah, my last two albums, um Lyrical Supernova and Street Disciple were pretty mm -hmm. much were pretty much um planned out that way to be like, man, you know what? These next two projects, I'm going to go to what I really know the best, what I think I'm really good at, and 
what got me into hip hop from the beginning. Um. So it's like, it's like going back to the essence because I want anybody that checks for my music to know, okay, this dude, he's from the hip hop era. He's from the original hip hop cloth, you know, the culture where it wasn't a lot of trendy shit going on. You know, it wasn't just a fad. People thought it might've been a fad and it was going to die out, but little did they know it was going to take over the world and be on every commercial. You hear a hip hop drum beat, you hear old, you know, break beat on, um, you know, everything you hear, even, even, I hate to say it, dog, but even country music sometimes. Yep. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be flipping, I'll be flipping the channels and I hear the country station. I'm like, wow, that sounds like the hip hop uh, break beat or drum beat behind it, you know? And it's like, you know, hip hop has done wonders, man. It's, it's all over the world. So with the last two albums, I wanted to um, express my love and gratitude for hip hop culture. Mm. Definitely comes across in them as well, especially whilst I'm listening through to them both, because you also did, you know, you've definitely stayed, other than your hiatus, as you mentioned, you've definitely stayed consistent. You've dropped many albums and mixtapes, and even through this whole pandemic, plandemic, whatever you want, you know, whatever one of people call it. We're trying right. to be a people pleaser, but just trying to call a, a spade a spade, I suppose. But touching on to the, what you're saying about us keeping here on this side of the pond, keeping Boom Bap alive and with the distro, it's just, it's interesting because most people wouldn't know especially in today's age, what that's like to be international without the use of the internet and having people actually physically picking up your material from, as you said, like digging the crates or knowing what you're looking for. Us here, because we always always so thirsty for for hip hop and it was always hard to, we've heard the only things that we knew with hip hop, I suppose the best way to put it is, was what was put in front of us. So we only had kind of had the box or we had like Westwood on Radio One right, or right. Choice FM or Kiss FM back when they were pi more pirate based radio stations. Right. And that was the only time that you'd really get hip hop in its purest form. Otherwise you would have to do something similar. You'd have to go and dig in a crate. So we had Tower Records here for, for a bit. We had an Owl Price, we had HMV, then Virgin Mega Stores. And these were places that you would go to try and find that that sound that you're looking for because depending on which area you went depended depended on what music you would get because as a business that's you tailor to your you know your local audience but central always right. seemed to have have the most of the most but for us even now i covered a in an article with a documentary about um how europe how sorry how global hip-hop is and things like right. graffiti and how influential that is in greece at the moment for politics and then people using b-boying for kids in Cambodia to put them into b-boying classes and such to take them off the streets and try to show them a different way. So for us globally, hip-hop's been as it was even when it was born and the influence it had in the States, it saved a lot of people. Okay, yes, as we know, as things have gone on, it's taken, it's taken its fair share as well. But, you know, the commercialism and without getting too gritty about it. But without getting too lost, for us here, especially for me, I'd always love the boom bap sound for me. It was just because I come from a household that I was grew up on funk jazz. Yeah. We did have, I mean, top of the pops we had, which is, you know, our thing here in Europe. And so I did like my rock and, you know, your guns and roses, you know, um, like Sabbath and those types of bands as well, but really was grown predominantly on old school soul, R and B funk and, uh, 
I just saw that, you know, just that old groove kind of feel from, especially from my dad. Then right. my uncle was the one who got me into hip hop because he was getting into DJing and wanted to be an right. MC himself over here. So then all of a sudden these worlds collided. Now, as things went on, yes, the sounds have changed and hip hop's evolved into this plethora of different sounds. Like you've had your Linkin Parks and, you know, you, right. even your Limp Biscuits and such. So it all kind of, some cross genres are always going to take into yeah. effect. But for us, man, we just can't get it. I, I personally, for me, I still can't get enough of the boom because for me, it just does that warm kind of feel to it. You know, there's dedication and love put into it. So all I can do once again is just saying thank you guys for just keeping it alive because that's what you know most of us done. Now you're saying you're right because now the UK wanted to separate itself from being state space as it was because we we started to feel over here we're not going to make it over there because we've had artists who have tried but they can't break the states so that right. really encouraged the garage scene and then the grime scene and then the uk right. scene and that's where we developed our own style and the own way of of doing yeah hip-hop effectively but just in our own way however you go underground so to the shout out to global faction shout out to you know apex and the gang and to yeah, just the, even the, the heads that I know that are literally still on that 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 raw hip hop sound. So sorry, that's just my little my little um little history lesson, I suppose. El Roney is the fire. That's one of my boys. He he been doing the same sound for the whole time and never veered mm. left or right. Straight straight old school real hip hop shit, you know. And I respect that. For real, for real. Boy, El Roney. and then um yeah yeah you know. I wanted to ask you something. Oh. Let's flip the roles real quick. Do you think <laughs> do you think um grime had oh. an had an influence on the creation of trap? No. No. I don't because in a sense, because I say, because if we're talking right, okay, so I, I fired off the the guns a little bit too quickly there. Are we talking Trap, trap is in because coming from the trap, that's that dirty south that was there before grime became as it is. If you're talking about drill, for instance, drill came a bit later and did originate in Chicago. And if you're talking about UK trap or UK drill, then it was, I'd say, I'd say you actually that's a very good question now that I really, really break it down. It goes to show kids. Think before you speak, <laughs> but Not, no, uh, the trap. The trap I'm thinking about is the Chicago trap. Chicago trap and Chicago drill. I'll say yeah. possibly. I'll say possibly yes, but I would. I would have to look. I would have to look a bit more into it. But I know that the the UK drill, which has become excessively popular, I still would separate from grime in its own essence. I'd still yeah. say it's kind of it is grimy, but grime. You have your artists like Getz, you know, your Chips, who are very super lyrical with the way that they put across their messages. Like Getz released an album not just too long ago, absolutely fire. Definitely listen to it if you haven't had a you know a chance to. Right. And Getz is one of my favorite grime MCs. Then you have your Tiny Tempers. You then you have your Dizzy Rascals, for instance, who did actually manage to break the states as well. Yeah. But with with the way that those guys I remember in a sense with grime was grime, it was, it was very, it's still very intricate. You're still very intelligent. I'm not saying that these artists aren't intelligent, but I feel if anything, it might be a watered down version in a sense of what trap is, 
But without knowing where the roots kind of comes from, from Chicago, I think maybe in some cases it's just as music was developing and changing, maybe they did get influenced by the rawness and dirtiness from here. And then they then decided to morph it in their own sound and then create what we now know as drill in well, Chicago drill. But then this is the funny thing. I was actually aware of Chicago Drill when I was doing radio on Westside FM, my local radio station here, E9.6 FM, um, which is only broadcast to like West London. And there was a guy, a DJ called Mikey Lee. Shout out to Mikey Lee as well. And he was literally bang on the Chicago Drill. Like he have whole radio shows dedicated to just Chicago Drill. And then it actually leaked into here into the UK. Then you had UK Drill. But I would never put UK drill in the same basket as grime, the same way grime artists wouldn't want to be put in the same basket as a garage MC, and the same way both wouldn't want to be put in the same basket as being a hip hop MC. Right. So I think, you know, like with any, I was more thinking of the of the the bounce, the type of rhythm and the bounce. Maybe not so much the lyricism, but I was thinking a little bit the lyricism, but more the bounce maybe of the lyrics, but the bounce of the beat. Mm. Yeah, but that's what I was, that's what I was mentioning in a sense of the griminess of it all. That kind of yeah. temperament, that the sound that grime embodies. I would right. definitely, I couldn't, I could definitely not not say yes. There is a definitely a degree of influence on that. But then, just like you guys do, you guys just flipped it over. Whether you, you know, like you don't like your egg sunny side up, you like it well done. You guys just put your own twist onto it, and here right. we are. You know, right. but. I think you're, you're definitely, I would be very unsurprised if it wasn't. However, you've definitely made me want to do my homework. So I will right, definitely yeah. do that. No, I was just curious because I remember some of them grind beats, they would uh, they would have that little bounciness that some of the trap yeah. Chicago beats have nowadays, you know. And, and the trap Chicago shit been going on for years now, but, you know, it's not really, it's not the, it's not the um, 4 4 rhythm that we use for the boom bap shit. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Boom bap, the boom bap be like boom, cat, boom, 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 cat, boom, cat, boom, boom, cat. You know, just regular. But then when you go to, as far as I know, the grime or the trap shit, it'd be like more of the the double time hi hat, you know, or the fast hi hat going, and the beat don't be. Yeah. It be it be more it be more bouncing, you know, to where you can do different type of deliveries and, and play with it rhythmically a little more than you can. Uh, old school boom bap drum beat, you know. Mm. Well, with that actual with that actual drum beat, so what that comes from is actually garage, because where it started from is you had so that was like your Craig Davids for anyone who's treating who might not know the easiest way to associate to garage. So I'd say that for states and international purposes, even though I know this is going to hurt a lot of garage heads, but Craig David might be one of the easiest international bridges. But what it was is that grime artists. So you have the godfather of grime called Wiley, and he came up off um, drum and bass, the garage kind of the vibes, and also uh, a lot of dub and music of that that nature. And what he did was because they couldn't get into the garage raves and do their version of rhyming because garage wanted to be more R and B, more poppy, more having fun, you know, that kind of glamoury clubbing, pop, um, champagne popping lifestyle. Maybe, maybe Whereas, yeah. And then you had the grime, which was like, look, well, we're gonna, we just want to tell our story on this kind of UK flavor because hip hop doesn't kind of want us, but we want to do it over these kind of beats. 
but they got completely rejected from that scene. And even and then they also weren't even allowed to really shift into the jungle and drum and bass scene either. So that's where you know you had your type, you know, like Wiley and those who originated it, who basically said, you know what, we're still on this flow, we're still on this vibe. This is what we are, but we're gonna make this into our own sound so right. that's where you get so when you were listening to that for instance say you know garage beats they would generally be anything over 120 up all right. the time would be over 120 up so if you were then as you know your music if you then half the 120 so that's where they get the the variations so even sometimes you get your 160s you half that down to 80 so you're already right. still dealing within the same bpms so you had a 160 for instance a 160 bait like um one drum and then you put a 80 drum onto it you then have those contrasts of sounds which then gives you that in and out which is a very drum and bassy technique as well so it's right. just like you said it's very intricate on it so you do have those fast hi-hats where people are like oh how do you even fit that into it well just half it and then that's where you have those abilities for those people who can step in do that kind of slow rhythmic kind of bounce to it and then on the right. flip side of it you'll get those people who just kind of crack crack i'm not gonna lie i because I, I used to do double in the whole rhyming thing used to freestyle killer more so than right get my pen game but even for me sometimes catching that grind beat or garage beat is difficult Right. really diverse because like you said i come from, like you said about the boom bap or from that era of hip-hop or i'm more melodic or an r&b kind of style where you can kind of play with the harmonizing whereas these guys you have to find the pocket you don't right. find a pocket within that's in in right. in this genre you're going to be all over the place and you start to you start to catch yourself like oh what oh that just didn't fit right but yeah, yeah no but yeah i definitely but back to what you're saying yeah Oh, this yeah, is what you guys did, man. This is what hip hop did. This is your yeah, contribution. Creation mode. We created all kind of different, you know, genres and sounds, and you know, it's like exploration and shit. Yeah, for real, for real. like some Jack Cousteau business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I mean, now we're good, you know moving on a bit because I mean you've definitely worked or been collaborated with quite a lot of you know sort of legends and. You know, see so taps like Jack and Mike, Marshall, San Quinn, Levetti. Um, you've even Mac Dre's even appeared on one of your projects as well, and you've also were one half of Street Reporters as well. So, right, how does it feel looking back at that? You know, looking back at so now, you know, here we are, twenty twenty one, and you look back at your catalog, and you say to yourself, if you were if you were to dig into your own crates, what does that look like? How does that look and feel for you now? Oh man, I'm still. I'm still, it's funny to say this, but I'm still developing. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still growing. And I'm about to put out a, um, a trap drill kind of album. Mm. It's, it's all done. And, and, um, and I got a West coast album. That's all West coast, LA, the Bay area kind of sound. Dope. No boom bap, you know, on either on either of them projects because i love hip-hop mm. and whatever in whatever way shape or form that it comes I, I'm, I'm on it until until it gets corny if it, if, if, if if this culture of ours ends up some cornball shit, then i'm gone <laughs> but, but as long as there's some 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 cool fly street soulful shit then i'm 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 for every 
split off splinter or every uh you know offshoot that there is from the original hip-hop art form of of, of of making music you know so i look forward to dropping this trap kind of album i look forward to all the beats ain't that four four rhythm we was talking about you know mm. it's the opposite and it gives you it gives me a little more room to work on my to uh what's the word um showcase my rhythm and 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 i can have a verse where i do two different kind of flows within one verse because those kind of beats those trap beats sometimes they're slow and mm. sometimes they got that hi-hat that goes double time to where you can go fast but then you got the drum beat going slow to where you can go from a fast flow to a slow flow in the mm. same flow in the same amount of, in the same verse and that's yeah. pretty dope that's pretty dope in itself because you show people i can come up with two three different bounces two three different rhyme styles in one verse mm. the boom bap beats don't really allow you to do that as much because they're more straightforward you know with the, the, the rhythm so to me music is nothing but rhythm Every every kind of every kind of every kind of music you can think of, it all comes down to being a rhythm. When Jay mm. uh, Jay Dilla had a uh, anniversary of his death, I think lately, and I posted on 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 social media, "Rhythm in Peace, Jay Dilla," mm. and people liked that post. You know, because I didn't say rest in peace; I said rhythm in peace. And to me, yeah. everything is a rhythm. Our heartbeat got a rhythm. You know, life is a rhythm. You know, Tribe Called Quest. First album that there's I ever picked up was uh uh what was it uh in people's instinctive travels in the paths of rhythm. Oh yeah, why well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a dope so, album. So so I'm making my age known now with that one. <laughs> but but man, all this hip hop stuff is all rhythm. So when mm -hmm. all these all these people say I don't like this kind of hip hop, I don't like this kind of hip hop, I like trap music, I like that ratchet shit, man, it's all rhythm. You know, so that's why I'm looking forward to putting out this trap kind of album. I'm looking forward to putting out this West Coast album. They're both they're both done, but I'm in the middle of promoting and pushing this Street Disciple album right now. So I can't really I'm not you know, I got to just wait before those come out. But mm. I believe as human beings, not just artists, but as human beings, first artists, second we grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Then we pass away and leave a legacy for the next people behind us, you know? Mm. So with that being said, I want to keep growing. And, and, you know, I did the last two albums, Boom Bap on purpose to give, uh, to give love and, 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 and respect to what got me into this in the first place, like the Nas Illmatic type of album, you know, um, to me, that's like the Bible of hip hop, you know. Mm. So, so in 1993, 94, I heard Nas Illmatic. And it changed my life. I got to give back. And for me to give back with the last two albums, I did those type of albums. I'm not saying it's on the level of Illmatic, but I'm just saying it's representing those same principles. Boom, mm. bap samples um you know hard lyrics the streets poetry 
not too much singing on the hooks, no singing on the hooks for mine, you know, but, you know, a couple songs with scratches and shit, you know, these young brothers, they don't know about scratching. You know, I talked to my daughter a month or two ago. <laughs> I told her I was going to put some scratches on a song and she was like, scratches? <laughs> you know? yeah. So, you know. so it is what oh, it is. Wow. We just growing, brother, you know. That's true. It goes to show the generational gap though now, isn't it? Like for us to to even as me as a DJ, which is still one of the things I definitely want to get down once right. I get the chance to kind of get back into it again properly, is scratching. Like just right. on the principle, I don't want to necessarily go to the scratching, you know, Red Bull competitions and things of right. that nature, right. but to actually get scratching down to the fact is just all natural. I mean, I work on a on a DJ controller which has been a majority of my DJ journey. But for me, I still have a nostalgia. Like if I can, once once funds and, you know, willing to get it, I'm definitely going to have my turntable. I need an original turntable. I need that Technics, right. personal right. technique. Right. I need the, the mixer. I need to have well, that set up and some CDJs and a actual DJ controller as well, because just showing, once again, the evolution of it all. But just to get scratching down, just to be able to do that right. whole, that, that whole level. I'm not looking, like I said, I'm looking to be no DJ premiere out here, but it'll be nice to be. But that's definitely something I'd love to have done. But it's like you said, it's in this day and age, it's not relatively and highly known. Most people wouldn't, most kids these days wouldn't kind of get with it because they've just got music on um their iTunes or their iPods and their phones. Right. And a lot of the music that's out now is only about two minutes long. But right, they got auto tune all over the hooks and verses. Even, even even with a um even with an artist that I like, I like this artist that's out now. I think he just won Grammys and shit, but his name is uh the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby. I, I think he got I think he got skills. Yeah. But at the but at the same time, um a lot of his songs got the auto-tune on the verses and the hooks, which is mm. cool. I like the sound and everything, but there's some hip hop enthusiasts that don't like that sound. You know, like, for example, um, there was a there's these dudes, I forget the names off top, but they're in Germany and they wanted me to send them a song and they were going to throw it on something that they were working on, like a compilation. And they're, they're known, you know, mm. I can't remember their names off off the head, but they're known and shit. So I wasn't sure what they was looking for. So I sent them something that I had, one of the rare songs that I do have with auto-tune all over it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and them brothers them brothers sent me an email back like, oh, you sent us the one with the auto-tune, huh? We don't really fuck with auto-tune. You know, something to that, <laughs> something to that, something to that degree. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was like, I was like, these motherfuckers, but but I know what they mean, bro. But mm. but um, but so I so I sent him an email back. I said, hey, man, I got 100 songs without auto-tunes. My bad. You know, I'll send you, I'll send you something more up your alley. I, I take it that you are a hip-hop enthusiast and you want to hear that real shit with just skills and no auto-tune and special effects and shit, you know. And they were like, yeah, exactly, you know. And so, but 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 but, but it's interesting because you, you remember Jay-Z dropped that song back in the day called DOA? Yeah, called, of course. Death of Auto Tune, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. DOA was Death of Auto Tune, but that song and some of the enthusiasts like myself and these dudes I just mentioned in Germany, uh, no, no one was really able to kill that noise. You know what I'm saying? They still doing the auto tune and it's still 
you know, mm. it might not, it might not be for the for the hip hop hip hop heads and the ones that love underground hip hop, but uh, we couldn't kill it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't kill it because, like I said, the baby the baby got skills, and some mm-hmm. of his some of his songs he still. You know, he, I guess he's trying to make hits while he's got the, the opportunity. I don't know, but or maybe he likes that sound because sometimes you hear that sound and it sounds decent. People yeah, awesome, you know, uh, it it's like it's like an effect nowadays that's used not like it used to be. It used to be used, you know, so people can sa- sound better as a singer. You can't really mm-hmm. sing, but we we'll put some auto tune on it so you'll sound better. Yeah. Now they're using it as an, a voice, a vocal effect. Not so much so they sound better as a singer. So it's not trying to cover up blemishes in your singing ability. It's more of an effect that they like and they use. And, you know, when I heard a song the other day with, with the baby and he used it on there, it sounded good, you know. So can't mm-hmm. knock it, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm getting tired of knocking everything. When I was coming up, I was like, oh, that's whack. That's whack. Dude, that's lame. Dude can't spit. But that didn't get me far in the game having that kind of attitude, you know. So um, it's a fine line between being a hip hop enthusiast um, that loves the culture and the art form and being um, closed minded. You know, I don't want to say not a hater, but closed minded, you know, got to let these younger dudes do what they want to do, because obviously a lot of them are making moves, you know, and um. Yeah, Jay Z, Death of Auto Tune. I thought that was going to shut it down, but that really didn't work. It's the same way of Nas is like um, hip hop is dead. It's, it's almost like it's it's almost like you're asking to add more gasoline to the fire, really. I mean, T right. Pain is really what kind of cemented for me personally in the sense of hip hop. T Pain was who really cemented that auto tune kind of vibe, except for when he got called out that he literally uses auto-tune. He then he sings live without auto-tune and he's right. got wicked vocals. So once right. he's now using auto-tune, it's just a cool effect, just to kind of add a different right. vibe to his sound. Same way that, it, like you're saying, like back in back in the funk days, they were using like, the auto-tune with the the, the guitar, the, like the guitar right. with the um, the keyboard on it, with the, the mouthpiece inside, and actually all singing along with the actual auto-tune as well. Right. So like if anyone... vocoder type of thing. Yeah, the rock. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, which is definitely yeah, a heavy. We had, uh, we had uh, Roger. Yeah. Zach, Roger Troutman. Yeah, 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 yeah. The more bounce to the album. So you had Roger, and then he got with Tupac and them at Death Row before he yep. died, and did you know uh, California Love and some other stuff with them, and he used the, yeah. uh, the vocoder. So that mm-hmm. was kind of like auto tune in a way. But it took more skills to use those. And that's then, my that's then, my point. And then Eric Clapton. Mm. Eric Clapton from the UK, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Eric Clapton, or was it it was either Eric Clapton or Peter Frampton? One of them dudes, they used the vocoder with the guitar. Like like Roger used it with the piano, with the keyboard. Yeah, and yeah, his, yeah, yeah. And his voice blowing, you know, they used it with the guitar and the tube to their mouth blowing for a similar effect. Uh yeah, yeah, it's a trip thinking back because, man, everything comes back to um, a beginning. So mm-hmm. that auto that auto tune shit that we use nowadays can kind of go back to Roger Troutman and Peter Frampton or Eric Clapton. I think it was Peter Frampton, but um, I think it might have been Frampton, but we'll double we'll double check. But yeah, yeah we got to double check so we don't get sued and shit. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't think we're big enough just as yet, but if you want to try, there you come to me. I'm broke. Um, right, right. <laughs> and plus, we at the end of the day, this is this is a love for music. And if you're welcome to come join us on the podcast, by all means, maybe actually I will search them out as well. Actually, that might be worth me doing a little digging around and see if I'm um, I can actually have a conversation with him about that. Because exactly, but this is my whole thing. I mean, for us as enthusiasts, once again, enthusiasts, I'm just a music enthusiast. This is this right. has been a part of my life. Like you know, you cut me, I you know, one of my famous wife for favorite rhymes it's not famous but favorite rhymes if you cut me i'll bleed music right into the cracks of the street and that that was just me that was me when i was back to writing bars and such like the same way you said rhythm and peace (laughs) appreciate it man the same way you said rhythm and peace which i thought was cold as well um but yeah it's like if you cut me once again music will bleed out to bleed out from me into the cracks of the street and this is the thing though so so I do hear where the enthusiasts come from because I will be honest, like there are, as a DJ, I do listen to this music because when I do play out live or I do a festival or I do get to do a club, I have to know what's popular at the moment. So but the only thing I don't do though is I don't, I don't listen to radio too much. I'll literally keep an eye on the charts. I'll see what's circulating, what videos are, and you know, you got your, you know, like your iTunes charts and whatever might be Beatport and things of that nature. But aside from billboard, but aside from that, I don't try to soak too much into it because you can, it can become a bit too much. And then that's where like yourself, for me, I'm like, yo, I know what music is. I listen to things like Slave, um, for instance, who, you know, an old school funk bands. I listen to like, you know, your James Browns. I listen to, uh, I mean, my dad sent me his, um, just to give an idea, give me a sec, hold on. Yeah, Soulhead, which is my dad's Spotify playlist. So I listen to things like Brass Construction, BT Express, Donald Bird, The the Blackbirds, Cameo, Crown Heights Affair, Cool in a Gang, um, Slave with Jimmy Douglas, George Duke, Pleasure, Roy Ayers, Leroy um, um, Hudson, Pleasure, Chic, like DC LaRue, Bob James, you know, the list goes on. I I come from I come from listening to that and still having a love and appreciation of hip hop. Because let's not forget that generation hated hip hop for cutting their breaks and their beats and making it into what it is now. And now we've got to a point where hip hop's um, inspired so much. What I don't like though is when these young artists try to spit on artists and people who have given you given given them the platform in order to do what they're doing like when they you know you've had your little whoever saying yeah f this person f that person like look no one's asking you for for you to like their music by all means but you can't you can't be biting or spitting in a hand that's really fed you to get to to you to be at this point because you gotta think it's your you know your your generations who really broke through the radio scene you know actually proving how hip-hop can move actual physical cultures so it's just it's it's quite interesting but yeah I, i think i think it's just like you said it's like there's there's definitely a lane for the stuff that we like and enjoy that we can just sit back and listen to. I mean, I listen to a lot of old school hip hop. I mean, even with the mixes I do on the radio show on the Falau Base One, the last mix that I did, bit rusty, I'm not going to lie, but I just played stuff like for mainly from Slum Village, from Sean Price. Uh, who else was it? It's like Slush. Yeah, sure. Rest in peace. Yeah, Big Pete. I'm Sean Peters' birthday the other day as well. Ghost and Ray Kwan. I played play some Nas because he won his Grammy and then it was the verses. So it's kind of like influence from that. But then also I wanted to play, you know, like um Slum Village and also Little Brother. That's the that's the other that's the other group as well. But these are the lot I've these these are who I'm into at the you same time as playing up. I got a story. You mentioned uh Ray and Ghost, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So I got a story I just want to share real quick. Uh, I was a I was a youngster and I was doing a radio show at City College in San Francisco, and we were blessed to have um we were best blessed to have the woo the woo come through. And, uh, yeah, so so we doing an interview and playing some some of their songs and chopping it up. And after the radio show, we went out to the parking lot, and they were like, "Who got that Cali weed?" And I was like. <laughs> At the time, I was really into smoking some herb and slanging some herb. So I was like, yeah, I got some. What you need, you know? And mm. so uh, so I sold Raekwon a 20 sack of some good California bud. And they really wasn't used to that bud <laughs> because they were used to the shit they was getting in New York that just at the time wasn't as green and wasn't as potent, you know? That brown so, weed every day. <laughs> right. So they get it. So for their $20, they get a big old bag, right, in New York. Out in Cali at the time, your twenty dollars gets you a little old bag, right? Because <laughs> it was just different. It was a different get down, you know. So, so I sold twenty to uh, to Raekwon, the chef, and we talking, and and then Ghost goes, "Hey, let me get one." So I give Ghost one, and he pulls out a wad of money this thick, at least a thousand dollars, probably more, you know. Mm. And uh, and he hands me twenty. I give him his sack, and he's like, "Hey, yo, B, you know this ain't as big as what you just sold my brother, man, you know." I want I want one as fat as what you sold Ray. And I was like, hey man, they all weighed up the same, bro. This is my little hustle to get my little extra side money. Mm. It, it is what it is, you know, homie. And he was like, and this is a big ass dude. He's like the size of E40 or somebody, real huge. Like, you know, wow. if he, he was probably about, you know, 6'2, 280, you know, big dude ghost, you know. So so ghost is hovering over me like. Hey man, well, at least give give me five dollars back on that sack. And I was like, well, check it out, man. This is this is how I make my gas money, dog. And you just pulled out a thousand dollars, and 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 now you want five dollars back, you know? And he was, he was tripping because I wasn't just letting him have his way, you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. And and he's a lot bigger than me, you know what I'm saying? So um, so I said I said check it out, man. Just give me the sack back, and I'll give you your twenty back. He was like, okay, okay, dog, that's how you want to do it. And he gave me my sack back and I gave him his $20 back. And then mm. right when I did that, this fast, one finger snap, Inspector Deck goes, hey, bro, I'll take that from you. So I turn around, <laughs> like, Ghost is here. And I turn around <laughs> and I give it to Inspector Deck right in front of Ghost. And Inspector Deck gives me the 20, don't complain or nothing. <laughs> and when we're good, right? And Ghost was like, Ain't this about a bitch? <laughs> he was like, he was like, man, I really, I like your style, bro. You know, you just took that weed back from me, gave me my money back, like it never even took place, and you had to get your certain amount for that weed you slanging, mm. and you sold the inspector deck. It one second later, not even a second later, in the same breath, you slang it to him and shit. You know, I like your style. Here's my number. Call me up sometime, bro. You know, so Ghostface gave me his phone number, two numbers. And mm. it was like, it was like, man, you a hustler, man. You just like a New York motherfucker. I, I, I like that. I, I like that, bro. And then uh, it was an interesting experience because uh, from there, me and Master Killer jump in my car. At the time, I was driving a 67 Ford Mercury Cougar, kind of like right. the one uh, that Jimmy Cliff drove in a movie called uh, The Harder They Fall. Mm. And, uh, or The Harder They Come, The Harder They Fall, I think it was. But um. So me and me and Master Killer jump in my 67 Cougar and we driving through San Francisco, spitting to each other, freestyling, 
we pull over we pull over and roll up you know smoke a smoke a fat a fat blunt together and and i'm going through my notebook now and spitting them pages out of my rhyme my rhyme book text you know and and we had a great time and then i took him back to where the radio station was at the at the, at the college and dropped um. him off dropped him off with um ghost and and everybody you know they was they were still over there and um and we went our separate ways but we that was an amazing day because about a year and a half later i get this big show me and my boy genesee for street reporters we get a show at a place mm -hmm. called the Mar maritime hall and the maritime hall in san francisco it's something else now but it it, it used to fit three thousand people so mm -hmm. we get we get booked to do this show opening up for wu-tang and it's just wu-tang and me and my boy genesee as street reporters so we open up for wu-tang and we rock the house have a little fun you know i'm doing my old school fat joe fucking whatever trying to be a boss on stage throwing a bunch of money out into the crowd you know and uh we had a good time and then so after our show you know uh, the woo is up and so we go into the audience we don't want to just hang out backstage drinking hennessy we we cool on that right now we want to go watch the show because we so into hip-hop yeah we so we so into history being in the making and we know Wu-Tang is fucking history, you know. So we go into the audience and kick it. And we're in the back of the crowd watching the Wu. And out of nowhere, in between songs, Ghostface Killer is like, I see my man Bazooka Joe Gotti in the house. What's up? <laughs> you know, and the last running I had with him was me taking that weed back from him and selling <laughs> it to somebody else in the crew. And I looked at my boy, Genesee. I was like, did he say what I thought he said? He goes, yeah, bro. He just shouted you out in front of three thousand people and shit, in the middle of his show and shit. I was like, wow. So it was just amazing meeting them brothers, you know. And the last Wu Tang story I'll tell is, mm. in between that year and a half of meeting them at City College, slanging them some herb, rolling out with Master Killer, and opening up for them a year and a half later. In between then. They came to town for a tour. Me and my boys went to the show at a place called Sound Factory. Mm. And me and my boys are in the front, right up against like the uh, security gate, you know, the little gate that they put up that's like, you know, waist high or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like Mel kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right the stage. And so um, the RZA, the RZA is on one of his tangents. Nowadays, he seems really mellow and chill and cool, and he's a, he's a history in hip-hop, so I can't hold nothing against him. But at that show, he said, y'all brothers in the Bay Area don't don't MC. Y'all rap. It's a big difference between rapping and MC, and y'all rappers out here, we MCs. You know, y'all got to learn how to MC. So he was kind of like antagonistic towards, <laughs> towards the crowd. And, and, and he goes, <laughs> He goes, who in San Francisco want to battle the RZA? None of y'all can fuck with the RZA. Come, come get some if you think so. The, the the mic is open to you. And of course, two or three of my boys I'm with is like nudging me with the elbow, like And so, so yeah, so I I hop over the the railing thing and get up on the stage, and uh, I just use my Fiji water bottle for example. <laughs> but I get up on the stage, and the RZA's a tall dude too. And he's like, 
he's like, oh, oh, you want some of the RZA? You know, he's just on one dog tripping, you know, like really uh, trying to antagonize the, 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 the Bay Area cat, you know, the Bay Area artists that are in the crowd. He goes, oh, mm. you want some of the RZA? I said, yeah, let me get the mic. And I already had my first four bars planned mm. out. But I didn't know where I was going to go after that four bars. So I might have fell on my face or I might have did good. You never know with the art of freestyling, right? So, yep, yep. So, so say this is the microphone. Mm. Rizza, Rizza hand is here and my hand is here. And we going back and forth like this <laughs> on the microphone. And I feel that I feel that cordless microphone is starting to like bend just barely. And he mm -hmm. wasn't letting go of the microphone. And my crazy ass is trying to battle the Rizza. Literally, <laughs> in, front of, in front of like a thousand people at this nightclub, and our hands going back and forth. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like whispering, and you know, the RZA is history in hip hop. I'm, yeah. I'm whispering, the RZA, man, give up the mic, man, give up the mic, and we going like this over the mic, and finally, finally, I was like, oh, this dude ain't giving me the mic, you know. And at the time, I was, I was full of, I wasn't full of myself, but I wanted to represent the Bay because he called mm. us out. And and I knew my rhyme skills could at least hang for a minute. I didn't know if I was going to get eat up or not, but I was willing to take that chance. And mm. uh, he he never let go of the mic, right? And then uh and then he said some other crazy shit, you know, to the audience. And, and I jumped off the stage. And then uh, you ever heard of Hobo Junction? It's no. A, it's, a brother, it's a brother named Safir, and mm. and he was with a crew called Hobo Junction. And they were they were popular in the underground Bay Area scene, and they kind of had a little bit of beef with um with hieroglyphics, souls of mischief in them. Oh wow, okay. They were both from Oakland, so there's Hobo Junction. Uh, so Safir from Hobo Junction, Safir ended up being in a group with Raz Kaz and uh, uh, one other brother called the Golden State. Mm. And, uh, so Safir was, you know, he was he was known. He was he was a good MC. So, so, so the RZA, he said, if you a brother, you can get up on stage and battle the RZA. What? He did. He, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, he said, if you a brother, you can get up on the stage and battle the RZA. And so, so I left the stage like, oh, this dude's kind of a dick, right? Mm. But then, but then, but then. Safir jumped on stage because somebody was going to have to represent the Bay Area because he was just <laughs> Rizzo was kind of on one. So Safir got on stage and they and they spit some bars back and forth. And I'm just watching like, damn, I sure wish I would have got my opportunity to battle this dude because I know he's history. But at the same time, you know, you see the SF on my hat. Yeah. That's, San, that's San Francisco. And I had to represent where I was from because I don't want anybody thinking that we all a bunch of weak ass wannabe rappers. I want to let them know that, you know, the culture is alive here, too. You know, so 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 it didn't work out for me battling the RZA, but Safir ended up going against them. But they didn't battle as much as I was going to take it to them. You know, they, mm. they, they just spit some bars back and forth gentlemanly. And that was it. And then Safir got off stage to a bunch of applause. And that was it for the evening. But that was like another chapter of my Wu-Tang. Like, man, it was just a trip, bro. Like, there was like three different times where I hung out with them. Um, even It was even another time I hung out with Inspector Deck, you know. And, it, you know, Wu-Tang is such a force in the history, in the history of hip-hop. You know, you know um, 
Ghostface and Raekwon was just on um, Versus. You ever heard of Versus? Yeah, yeah, no, I was. I actually touched on that with the. That's why I was. I spun them in my DJ set, um, and also we spoke about it on the latest episode, which is dropping. Well, by the time this comes out, it's dropped already. But yeah, yeah. so episode five, we touch on verses. But that was. Um, I didn't manage to see all of it, but I did catch the little bits and bobs. But funny enough, as you know, how things would happen. Sorry to cut. It's just like my favorite track of Raekwon is "Live from New York." Like I've, I remember having the CD and that track I would keep on pressing repeat on. As soon as I tuned in, that was a song that he jumped in to start spitting was live from New York. So I'd stayed for that, but because it was a bit late on my end, but I know that they've definitely got, um, I know that RZA, I saw RZA come in and then also, you know, the, the, the heartfelt message from Ghost at the end, as he said, this isn't, life isn't a computer game. You've only got one life. You ain't got like three, you know, so just make sure you love each other. And then also the other projects, but sorry. Yeah. 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 So I'm, and Versus is what got us through quarantine as well. There were some amazing verses. Right. Right. So they had Versus the other day and then the RZA was on Versus with Primo you know, a few months back. Yeah, that was sick. I watched that. That was, that was dope. So, so I would never try to take anything away from the woo, but I'm just sharing my experiences. You know, most mm. of them were good, but there was that one night when the Rizzle was calling out the San Francisco rappers and the Bay Area rappers that I had to at least try to make an attempt to represent for us. You know, mm. and it, it, it might not have worked out, but, um, you know, I had four bars for them planned out and that would have been cool. I would have got some crowd response. But after them four, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So I was a little nervous. (laughs) So maybe it's good that that battle didn't happen. Who knows? Yeah, possibly. I mean, like you said, I mean, the time, the time frame that you're, you're talking on as well. It's like you said, this is, this is a completely different face of Wu. And as I think this also touches on quite interestingly, just as we're wrapping it up, um, is the fact of how, if that was to happen now in today's age, then that's cancel culture written all over that. You know, 100 percent. That's just that's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. Whereas as if you look at it from there, like even like yourself, it's just like, well, you know what? Yeah, I don't feel too respected by it. And also with him then adding the the additional ad libs, but it just goes to show is like RZA definitely at this point today would not say or probably express that same kind of notion of things. If he was going to go challenge someone, you go challenge someone fairly. But look, for us who know hip hop, we know it came from. Every it was literally it was a community. That's what hip. That was exactly what it was. It wasn't just one race. Okay, yep. I'm not gonna be like. I'm not gonna lie, brothers. Um, this is the ones who push it to the forefront. But for it to become what it was, from you know the first, you know, first commercial graffiti to the fact that graffiti even became now seen as an art form rather than it being vandalism. To you know, break breakers who actually completely shifted the mold on on dancing genres and then incorporating different dance right. over the over the years so like even with like in living color where you had the fly girls for instance who then even took dancing right. to a brand new level and also then bringing hip-hop as well into mainstream tv as you then said as well as you mentioned sorry before so it's just been a complete and whole journey but you for sure if anything and maybe i need to start doing this when i get a few more people in my back pocket but i definitely need to do like a a, a story or a little least your stories and pockets because other than yourself and the people that know you now whoever sees this will know your woo story 
you know, and right. in your experiences and such as well. I'm right, not saying that right. what defines you at all in any way, shape, or form. So make sure you go check out um, Bazooka Joe got it available on all streaming platforms as well. Make sure you definitely support that Streets Disciples, obviously, out. And then also, if you you know, during these times as well, check out Frontlines, the mixtape as well, dedicated to all the frontline workers who helped get us through this whole quarantine. So yeah, 100%, make sure you check out BJG and support. Definitely looking forward to your new projects. But I just think that with these kind of stories, I think it'd just be nice to have, remember like those old school hip hop videos and tapes that used to have all those DVDs and people actually start to break down what it was like, you know, really giving a an in-depth scene, not just from the cases of people that we know and who are, as we as we say, big up on the scene, but it's just all those little bits, those crooks, those nooks, those crack is just everything that makes right. what we are today. Because then you start to build a full picture, a picture that you would never get to see or understand because there wasn't camera phones and there wasn't the internet at that particular moment. Your experience was your experience. I mean, who? how many people out here can say they shared a blood with Master Killer like, at the end of the day? That's what I'm saying. And not even just that. Busting a freestyle with him as well. Now, come on, son. <laughs> like good old right. Ed Lover used to say, come on, son. <laughs> come on, son. Come on, son. <laughs> I grew up when I was a young kid. Do you remember uh, Original Concept? No, can't say I didn't. Original Concept was Ed Lover and Dr. Dre's group. Oh, okay. And they had they had a song back in the day called Knowledge Me. Right. And that's and it said, "Knowledge me, homie," and it was like a nice 808 beat behind them with some deep bass, and it wasn't too intricate, not too much samples and shit, but it was a original concept. If you get a minute, check them out because man, that, that shit was dope. They had a couple of good songs, man. Back in the day, it was Ed Lover and Dr. Dre from MTV, but it was before MTV. It, you know, it was before they got the gig on Yo MTV Raps. They was mm -hmm. rappers. Yeah, so original concept. They was they were sick, bro. I think I might still have uh that wax, you know, because I collect vinyl. But yeah, check it out if you get a minute if you want to get nostalgic and shit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I know I'm definitely gonna do that. So and also, yeah, just email me a whole bunch of stuff that you think might be worth the um listen to as well, and also your tracks as well, so I can support you on the um real vibe show on the loud bass one mix our radio um, station. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 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 definitely. And then I'll definitely spin, I'll spin those as well and can connect you to it. So anything you want to plug before we we, we finish up? Oh, man, I just want to say uh, thank you for having me, Juju, man. I really appreciate this. You know, it's always good chopping it up with you. And, um, you know, I, I guess I, I'll say um, to all the artists out there, anybody that wants to do anything in this art form, um, do what you love. Because if something hits and it's something you don't like, say you do a song and you know it's a corny ass song. If that song hits, you're going to have to perform that song for the next 20 years. So, so, so do, do, do stuff that you love. Do stuff mm -hmm. that you like. Don't worry about doing stuff that other people like. Or, or of course, we want the listener to be comfortable and like our music. But don't do shit that you think Hollywood executives are going to like. Don't do shit that you think the pop world or the mainstream or the masses of millions and millions of people going to like because you want to do what you like because the song pops, you're performing it for the next 20 years and you don't want to perform a song that you don't like for the next 20 years. It'll drive you crazy. One love. 
Bars, what a way to absolutely finish that. So if you stayed locked into this actual point, thank you very much. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you're on the YouTube. This will be soon to be put on Spotify as well. We can upload it on both platforms. Make sure to go check out imhiphopmagazine.com. Issue 6 is now out and available, digital and physical. Physical in the UK, digital globally. And yeah, man, once again, hey, BJ... Let me, some let, me, let me press one. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring that back. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's go. Let's go spit them bars, man. Like bar us, finish us out. Take us off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. Here we go. Bazooka Joe got called me the future. You in the mix with Juju and Bazooka. Tight like a sutra. Ain't none tighter. Got a couple blunts. Who got a lighter? Street fighter, baby. I'm in the mix of action. Making it happen. Every bar with magic. Uh. Peter Frampton, the Clapton, I'm in the fast lane, dog steady gun clapping. Who mess with the best? I resurrect live and direct in the flesh. I'm so fresh from the West, getting this one off my chest, sipping on the very best. Uh, for my tears and my tios, primas and my primos, y'all know me, I'm numero uno. Who gon' end up at a funeral? Thousands, that'll be the numeral, my name, Mr. Spit Flame, spitting good game while I'm sipping champagne, I'm bringing the pain like my name with the method, y'all better run cause I'm rugged and I'm hectic, y'all know the style, styles get perfected, I'm the top selected, wheel it up and it's selected, by the greatest DJ, no he say, see say, I'm out here in CA, don't care what he play, yo, I'm the repo man, on the catamarans, Stacking up brands, fuck you and your clan. I don't give a fuck about your squadron. You know I write rhymes that go past the margin. Peace out to Nas, uh, the Illmatic. Y'all know me, I'm on the block, it's still static. I'm just fucking around, ripping the freestyle. And when I'm in Japan, I'll be sipping on the same towel. Let's go, hey! Ain't nothing but a party, y'all. I'm getting sick like it's carnival. You can find me in New Orleans at the Mardi Gras. Getting ill, sipping on some Bacardi, y'all. What's my name? I said it don't matter. I'm the young admiral. I take your Rolex for collateral, huh? We in the mix so clean. Seldom heard, often seen. Me and Juju hit you with the voodoo. Maharaji, they call me the guru. Give a fuck what you do. I'm on the mic check. One, two, one, two, dude. Let's go. Hey. Live and direct, man. That's how we do it. High creativity in the vicinity of the facility. Y'all rappers are killing me because you ain't got enough artillery for artillery. BJG in the building. BJG. Killing them, BJG hey. out here spitting them. BJG up in the hey. building. Hey, yo, man, killed uh. it, killed it. First official play out, man. I love that, love that for real, for real. So, so again, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we do here. No name podcast. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Power by him, hip hop in collaboration with high creativity. Let's keep these things going. Keep them good vibes, people. Stay safe, stay well. Peace. 100. 100. Thank you.